Welcome to the Downtown Council podcast. I'm Gracie Simoninger, president of the Downtown Council. Today's speaker is Darnell Smith, the North Florida market president for Florida Blue, and he'll be talking about eradicating poverty in Jacksonville through Lift Jacks. We are pleased to welcome Lori McMullen from Aging True Community Senior Services to the Downtown Council. We are pleased to welcome Wayne Estes of Estes Heating and Air Conditioning, Angela Von Rudin of Fresh Jack's Organic Spices, and David Rupel of Liberty Staffing. Welcome to DTC, it's the place to be. Okay, at this time, I'm going to stop talking and turn it over to our fearless um, programs officer, Ms. Laura Edgecombe. Laura? Good morning, everybody. My name is Laura Phillips Edgecombe, and I am the director of programs for the Downtown Council. Um, I'm also the director of catering events and community for the Bread Board, a local restaurant group here in town. Today, I am super honored to introduce our speaker. I'm not sure how many of you know, but my uh, career has been an event production for the better part of a decade, and I cannot think of an event that I attended or produced or heard about where our speaker was not uh, either the keynote speaker himself or sitting in the front row or in the lobby giving hugs and kisses, remembering everyone's name. I don't know how he does it. Um, but he just brings a lot of joy uh, to the people that he comes across um, and even those uh, that, that he doesn't. His name is well known by many, and we are very honored to have him here with us today. Um, our speaker this morning is going to be Darnell Smith um, of Florida Blue and of Lift Jacks, which is what he actually will be speaking about today. Darnell Smith is the market president for the North Florida region of Florida Blue. Um, and he's also responsible for Florida Blue's business market growth. Um, but as I had mentioned, his his passion really holds true to phil, um, philanthropic organizations and helping the community. Um, some of his past experience in doing so, um, you know, has, has led him to help organizations such as United Way of Northeast Florida, uh, the Salzbacher Center, the Cathedral Arts Project, Feeding Northeast Florida. He has um, also been uh, a part of One Jacks and Operation New Hope and Leadership Jacksonville. Um, he's just kind of, you know, anywhere and everywhere that the city needs, he tends to be there. And so um, he is a part of Lift Jacks, which um, for those of you that have not heard of Lift Jacks, it's an initiative that genuinely will bring forth change um, in poverty, especially moving um Starting, you know, at the ground level from a generational standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done. And there's a lot that um, Darnell is going to speak on today. And I just, you know, I, I I don't even know how to say it. Like, he's just Darnell and he is just a wonderful human being. And we are just over the moon to have him. <laughs> All that to be said, um, good morning, Darnell. And I'll let you have the floor. Thank you. Um, before we begin, uh, I want to uh, give a shout out to someone who's um, actually a part of this and really leading this on a daily basis, uh, David Garfunkel. He's actually in the audience. Uh, I don't know if you guys know David. He is the uh, president and CEO of uh, Lift Jacks. Um, I also saw Anne-Marie Knight, who's also serving, and i got to believe there are probably a number of other folks who I just didn't see their faces and all. Um, but you'll see as we go through this, guys, um, this is really a community effort. Uh, I am happy to 
really serve uh, in a capacity to be able to talk to you about it today. Uh, because like I said, it's really, really important for Jacksonville to get uh, our hands around this. Um, this is something actually, uh, if you guys uh, are familiar with the chamber uh, at the uh, state level, um, the Florida Chamber, um, know that they are putting a lot of emphasis on this as well. You can get a lot of data about poverty. Uh, you go to FloridaScorecard.com uh, uh, and certainly work through their uh, focus on poverty. Uh, you'll see exactly where we are. So a lot of work to be done in this space. My name is Brian Tuttle. I'm the membership director here at the Downtown Council. And not only are we the largest and fastest growing council in the Jacks Chamber, we have the best speakers and, of course, we're the coolest. To reach out or get more information, please go to downtowncouncil.org. I'll start uh, with the uh, first one there. And you'll see, uh, at the end of the day, um, our city um, actually has uh, the highest poverty um, or at least higher poverty uh, than the United States and the state as an average. Um, what you also see is that we wanted to make certain that it's clear that we don't just look at it from the standpoint of poverty. You know, I don't know if you guys are aware, but for a family of four, uh, the, the federal poverty level is $26,200. I want you to think about that. Divided by 12, see how much, uh, roughly $2,100 uh, um, a month. Uh, take out, you know, roughly $800 for um, housing and understand that $1,300 is what you have for the remainder of the month. Uh, for transportation, for food, uh, for, you know, uh, and so uh, I want you to know that we also look at it from the perspective of those who are just above the poverty level. And we call that ALICE, Asset Limited, Income Constrained, and Employed. And that's roughly 27% of our neighbors who live in that situation. They could literally be one situation away, uh, a flat tire, you know, they don't have the money for it. Um, now all of a sudden they're getting to work late because now they have to catch the bus and the bus doesn't show up on at the same time in order to be with, there when their employer is requiring. And so that things can snowball. I mean, literally small things like that, that you have to think about. So 40% of our neighbors, uh, in a situation where they often have to worry about how to make basic, um, you know, needs, um, you know, meet, and it is very, very difficult. Uh, so this is how we're looking at it. And this is roughly 375,000 people live in this situation in, in uh, Duval County. Here, you'll have a chance to look at the fact that, you know, uh, averages, you know, they, they, they sometimes don't give you the real picture of what's going on. And here we wanted you to have an opportunity to look at um, childhood poverty. Uh, so those who are in poverty, obviously under 18 years of age, and you'll see the, in the darkest uh, of the orange colors there, um, how much poverty is really impacting three zip codes. 
Uh, and I'll talk a lot more about those zip codes later. Um, but look at those percentages. Um, that is impactful. Uh, and this, and quite frankly, when you think about it, um, we are leaving a lot of children in a very, very difficult situation. Um, and so we wanted to make certain that indeed uh, we are uh, dealing with that particular issue. So we want to make certain we're thinking about it um, through you know, other disparities. And you'll see that disparity from the perspective of race. Um, and so as you think about those particular uh, zip codes that I just shared with you, uh, look at the top one there uh, for um, black children, 25% of them are living in poverty, one out of four children living in poverty. Um, that's an impact. And uh, that's the kind of work that we, once again, believe that we have to get to the bottom of. Um, I saw a study um, that was by Washington University that shows that $1 trillion annually is lost across the United States as a result of um, childhood poverty. And the implications of that on three things. Um, lost, um, um, productivity of adults uh, simply not being there to do great work for their communities, um, the impact of the cost of crime, and the impact of the cost of health care. And so those are the kind of things that when you think about uh, the implications of poverty, uh, we don't always we don't always think about that. And this is what we're getting. We're asking ourselves, um, you know, what should we be doing? Because these are very staggering statistics. When folks usually think about what's happening in their neighborhood, they, they don't think about zip codes. Uh, they don't look at it from the standpoint of census tracts or zip codes. Um, they are focusing on neighborhoods. And so uh, we thought it best to make certain that indeed um, we're looking at it from a neighborhood perspective as well, because that is where uh, how people are actually showing up and putting an emphasis on the work that's really happening. Um, and so, this one is a page that I want to really make certain we put uh, some time on. Um, this shows just how much poverty is having an impact on different things throughout our you know, community, uh, employment, um, the impact on crime, poverty's impact on education, poverty's impact on the health of individuals and certainly on the healthcare system itself. Look at, once again, these staggering numbers. The one I would bring you to though, that I wanna make certain that you're really getting a chance to see as well, is the life expectancy rate. Uh, look at uh, Ortega, and not to pick on Ortega, uh, but you'll see that the life expectancy rate for Ortega is roughly 80 uh, years. And in Durkeyville, it's 67 years. That's a 13 year difference. And the distance is only seven miles away. That is saying we have work to do um, in order to be able to really help the folks in our uh, community. And it's about the children, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, obviously, it's about the adults. It's about the families in general. Um, but for me, it is about the children. I, I grew up in poverty. Um, I know what it uh, feels like. And I'll talk a little bit about that on one of the other pages as well. 
Hopefully you guys have had a chance to look at this page pretty well, but we can certainly make this available as well. And I talk about you know, living in poverty and, you know, but I would tell you folks who live in poverty, what they see is what everybody else is going through. And they don't necessarily feel that it's poverty. What they know is certainly it may be tough times and things of that sort, but they have a lot of pride uh, in their neighborhoods. And so you'll see, you know, the things with sports or with their their school or the individuals uh, with from a tradition standpoint, et cetera, uh, or colleges or universities in their neighborhood. Those are the things that people really think about at the end of the day, uh, because they do have pride. Um, and being able to live in um, what they consider a, a wonderful neighborhood. Here uh, is how we got started. Um, here are the people that we're working with. Um, I want to say in 2017, uh, Ellen Wiss uh, invited me and I think Nina Waters, uh, Sherry McGill, um, uh, to be on a panel uh, to talk about poverty. It was at the, the Women's Giving Alliance. And uh, we were focusing on, you know, really the implications of poverty on women. Um, and we left there just astounded by the, the, the statistics. And we said, we have to do something about this. And so a group of us continued to meet uh, to understand what is it that we can do and how can we really come together? We're so shaken by the data uh, and the implications on our city and certainly on, our, on the children that we literally couldn't let it go. Uh, and so uh, we were able to meet with a number of leaders and this is the group that we've been, been able to pull together to begin work here um, on a lot of the stuff that we're doing. You don't see everybody who's actually that we're engaging, uh, but these are the folks who are on the steering committee, uh, the organizations that are represented on the steering committee. And we're welcome uh, to work with anybody uh, if you feel as though you'd like to be a part of this work as well. This is the model we chose. So we looked at a number of models across the country, um, and the one we selected was the purpose-built communities model. It's a proven model. It has uh, done a lot of work, especially in Atlanta and in an area called East Lake. I'll bring that up in a, a minute as well. Um, but the model allows us to really approach it very differently. Um, you'll see at the top of the house there, the community quarterback. That's what Lift Jack says. Um, this allows us to be able to assemble a number of community leaders that is really focused on and, and driven by the business community. Um, and it engages the neighborhood leaders. It was really important as we went through and folks, we looked at over 15 neighborhoods, got it down to five, three, and then eventually one. And we selected the east side of Jacksonville. But you'll notice um, the, the work that has to be done, um, we make certain there's one thing that happens. One, the neighborhood leaders are a part of Lip Jacksonville. That's very key. We don't do anything to this community or any other community. We understand what their vision is. And we make certain that we're living out that vision, helping and inspiring them to achieve that mission and bringing together the resources. You'll see the areas of focus, Income, uh, mixed income housing, um, education, cradle to career, uh, community wellness, that's a catch-all uh, for a number of things. Obviously, health, 
but you know, safety, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, long-term financial via, uh, vitality. And that focuses on, not only on uh, individuals having the right jobs and the skills, et cetera, but also ensuring that we're helping businesses uh, be able to achieve their particular goals as well. Here you'll see uh, some of the things that um, we're aspiring toward. Uh, this is the work that was done uh, by uh, purpose-built communities in Atlanta. You'll see on the left uh, how stark of an issue they dealt with and the current state on the right-hand side. So this work can be done, and they've been doing it across the nation. Um, it is a long-term commitment. It does not happen overnight. Uh, and we made certain that everybody who's sitting at the table, they understand that we are in this for the long haul. Um, and this is the work that we believe that we can make happen. This is the work on the east side that we have to get done. Uh, it's a two square mile um, focus. You don't want to focus on the entire zip code. You want to focus on the neighborhood, a part of the community, but you'll see the number of people who are impacted uh, that we're going to be essentially assisting. Uh, and you'll see all the different things. I won't read through the uh, everything there in the interest of time, uh, but this is how we're, uh, this is how we're showing up. And this is the work we want to focus on. This is what Eastside looks like. And in this community, I need you to know, um, it's rich in tradition. Uh, there are a number of very important individuals who have come through uh, this particular um, neighborhood. Uh, Eartha M. White. I uh, don't know if you guys are aware, but this was an icon. She, you know, uh, she served on Woodrow Wilson's uh, cabinet, uh, literally well um, ahead of her time. Uh, Please Google and, and learn more about this woman, how much impact she had on our community, the things that she took up, the causes uh, that she absolutely um, drove. Um, James Weldon Johnson, uh, he and his brother, um, they wrote a, a, a poem for Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Uh, they put it to music. And it's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And now it uh, is actually what we consider the National Negro Anthem. Uh, and right here out of Jacksonville, A. Philip Randolph, a mentor of Martin Luther King Jr., um, uh, considered one of the fathers of civil rights uh, and certainly just an important leader in, the, in our community. And then uh, Bullet Bob Hayes, and obviously Olympian and... and Dallas Cowboy, all the great things uh, about this young man as well. But it's rich in tradition, and that's the point uh, that we want to make sure we don't lose sight of when it comes to the neighborhoods. And so um, this is what we're certainly looking at when you see the east side and um, how it shows up against the averages in Jacksonville. Uh, this is where we are. It's, uh, it's the stake in the ground that we've placed. Uh, and the work that we have to do. Um, it, is, it is stark. I mean, I want you to look at those numbers. Um, and, and I want you to understand that, you know, you're looking at numbers, uh, but what you can't see is that behind these numbers are people. That's the part we need you to make certain you understand. You know, I want you to think about this. If you were to uh, hear about a parent who had a one child who they sent to private school, um, gave all the best things, et cetera. 
And then they had another child who they mistreated, um, kept in the basement, uh, didn't feed, et cetera. You'd call 911 immediately. You'd make certain that you dealt, you dealt with that scenario. Well, what if that parent was Duval County? Think about that. This is what we deal with every day. We have children who have, and we have children who don't have. And in many respects, sometimes we're okay with it. And we're saying it's not okay. We have to do something about this. These are our children. And we have to get to the bottom of this and we have to make a difference. Um, we thought it was important to understand what the community wanted, what their vision was, not what our vision is as a lift jacks. Um, and so we worked with the community to develop this vision 2030. Uh, this is what we're working through. Um, and um, we're well on our way uh, with bold goals uh, to make certain that we're absolutely achieving the things that are most important for what the people want inside of that community. And you'll hear me state that often. We, we come back to that often. This is not about the business leaders of the community. It's about the people in the community and what they want. Here uh, is uh, just a, some, some of the things that we're working on. Um, you got Franklin Arms, uh, just a horrible place for anyone uh, to have to live, much less children. Uh, 98 unit apartment complex. Um, I think uh, David's there. Um, I think they might have had a, you know, the police coming out there um, on average one time a day. That's right. Um, and so you can, you can just imagine that, you know, that somewhere in there you, you can rest assured that we're going to have a police officer having to come in and deal with issues. Um, a number of Things where folks are, you know, living in there where they're, they're just really selling drugs, a lot of crime, et cetera. And, you know, we have to deal with it. So we're working with um, our housing component of this to really uh, take um, control of this complex uh, and then transform it uh, so that we can have a place for people to be able to live. Um, then you look at the neighborhood schools, you see what's happening there, especially as you think about early childhood learning. Um, and uh, there are, you know, there's going to be an um, early childhood um, or a pre-K school, a pre-K center. Um, John Love, that's going to be game changing. When you think about how many um, students um, locally who at third grade can't read, uh, they're not at their, uh, their reading level. Um, this is what we think can have a major, major impact. And then, of course, uh, community wellness um, and food security is the component here, but we're going beyond that. We're looking at how do we ensure that we're helping with skills development and all kinds of things in that regard, job uh, creation. Um, and so just a lot of work that we're uh, emphasizing, bold goals. And that's it as far as the presentation is concerned. So um, this is what we're dealing with, folks. This is uh, how we're trying to show up, make a difference in uh, Jacksonville. Um, and quite frankly, just awesome work 
that um, a number of leaders are doing, um, really showing up and making a difference. So uh, I'll stand for questions. And I, like I said, I have uh, three of my colleagues here as well uh, that are open to be able to uh, participate. Don't miss our other downtown council events this month. Join us February 19th at 8 a.m. with guest speaker Numa Cecilin, president of Florida Theater, and February 25th at 5 p.m. for a panel discussion on health equity featuring Anne-Marie Knight, David Garfunkel, Jeff Sheffield, Shannon Nasworth, Suzanne Pickett, and Kelly O'Leary. Visit downtowncouncil.org to sign up now. The Downtown Council is one of 10 chamber councils, and simply put, Downtown Council cares about the future of our city. We represent Jacksonville's business community, including major corporations, growing businesses, and startups. Our goal is to connect one another so that downtown and greater Jacksonville will thrive and prosper. We also pride ourselves on keeping you informed of local business and civic issues by bringing top tier speakers to our meetings. To get involved, visit downtowncouncil.org.